This is Max Beverly. Welcome to On Point and Counterpoints Podcast, Episode 26. This is my first episode of 2019. Um, this year, I plan on doing approximately an episode a month, but that, that may go up or down as events warrant. As I mentioned in the last episode, the last episode of 2018, I hope to expand the scope of this podcast a little this, a little this year and discuss some things going on in the entire Red Hills region. Uh, however, for the first podcast of the year, it's all on the city. On January 9th, our illustrious mayor, in an effort to thwart Jay Flowers' call for a vote on, on presenting a two-lane South Pine Tree Boulevard plan to the state, called for yet another special Pine Tree meeting. Here's what he said. But, uh, would y'all, listen, I think that the best thing to do, Ms. Flower, would you entertain um, us having a, a, a workshop, just council members and engineer and city manager, and, and let's see if we can come up with, because I don't think we should be doing this in, in, in a public meeting, going back and forth, we get and, and let's get a consensus as, at that workshop for just us, a retreat, I should call it. And, and that way, when we come in here, we're ready to go. We should we should be going we're, back. We're just, we need to do it soon as possible. Like you said, we're ready to go. Let me just say this. We, we won't be able to meet on this just privately. Okay, so as a council, it's going to have to be an open meeting. And this doesn't get it. This it does, does not meet the frame. Well, we call it whatever you want, but, you know, um, uh, this does not meet the criteria to get us into closed session. Folks, it's hard to believe that Greg Hobbs, who has been on the council for nine years, would suggest that the council shouldn't be doing this, referring to making the decision on the final plans for Pine Tree in a public meeting, but instead should sneak off somewhere and and, and make the decision out of public view. Uh, Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, Anyway, so this meeting... The meeting that Hobbs called for was set for Friday, January the 18th. Guess who didn't show up for it? Guess who no-showed? That's right, Greg Hobbs. Just like he did several times last year, Hobbs called for a meeting, tons of staff time go into preparation for that meeting, and then Hobbs blows it off. Now, I seriously doubt this is why Hobbs missed the meeting. But, but he probably should have stayed away from it uh, anyway, as he does have a massive conflict of interest problem here, as he owns property that would be affected by this decision. He disqualified himself from voting on virtually the identical thing, almost exact same circumstances on South MLK because he owns his uh, office property there. Um, but he did participate in that discussion, which he shouldn't have. However, it, it, it's way too late for Greg Hobbs to fix his charter and state, vi- state law violations. A- at this point, it would be like trying to put the um, air back in a balloon that has popped. Anyway, the dozenth special meeting um, on Pine Tree w- did end up being held without Mr. Hobbs being there on January the 18th. The city staff had prepared four poster-sized exhibits showing four possible options for South Pine Tree. At the beginning of the meeting, Alan Carson, Thomasville's new city manager, let the 80 or so concerned citizens know that only two-lane plans are being considered now. Uh, Mr. Carson said this. 
we have the best I can understand this council is pretty solid on a two-lane road okay so we've got the two-lane road thing pretty well narrowed down what we have from the last part is we have the sidewalks how the sidewalks going to work plan a was a plan to resurface pine tree from Jackson Street to Old Monticello Road uh, to add left turn lanes at Jackson, at MLK, and at the main entrance to Southwestern. Um, and actually, this paving plan, uh, which, which again uh, was to add turn lanes, again, that's resurfacing from Jackson all the way to Old Monticello Road, two miles further than any of the original plans, um, would have uh, envisioned because they planned on stopping at Magnolia. And, and adding the left turn lanes at MLK, Southwestern, and, uh, and Jackson Street, um, this is identical in plans A, B, and C that the city staff put forward. The differences in A, B, and C are sidewalks. Okay, plan A calls for a sidewalk down part of South Pine Tree, and then the sidewalk would cut through Balfour Park to Varnado, and then through Thomas University's West Campus property at the old Magnolia school site and then on to Magnolia Road. Um, plan B drops the sidewalk through the park and the TU campus but instead just runs a continuous sidewalk all the way along South, uh, on South Pine Tree Boulevard from Jackson Street to Magnolia. And then Plan C does both. It does the sidewalks uh, all along uh, South Pine Tree Boulevard again from, Max, uh, from Magnolia to Jackson and uh, through Balfour Park and through the TU campus. Now, in the meeting, it became apparent that TU will have to receive some major and expensive concessions to agree to let the sidewalk go through their West Campus. So plans A and C might be off the table. Uh, my guess is that, that plan B Maybe with the option of someday, if it can be worked out with TU, um, of, of turning it into Plan C uh, is, is the only one that will survive. But I think of these first three, A, B, and C, Plan B is probably the only one that can be considered by the council right now. The, the estimated cost of Plan B was given at uh, $3,056,000. So assuming these calculations are correct, Plan B would only cost the city about $56,000 as there's $3 million of state funding here. And then finally, there was a Plan D presented at the request of Councilmember David Huffstetler. Okay, and then this one down here, D, at our last meeting, uh, Councilman Huffstetler said he was fine with the two-lane road if we if the road was big enough at some point in time we needed to come back and restrike that he wanted to know what the cost i'm not saying that we were going to do that i'm just saying he wanted to know what the cost would be if we built the road and then just restriked it at some point in time for future future considerations okay now i, I see some of you shaking your head no i got it but for right now, he's one of my five bosses, and so if he asked me to do something, we're going to put it together, okay? And let me just interject. That's only, only if it was ever justified by some future council. Right. I'll be long gone before right. it's ever needed. I understand. I understand. And that carries a price tag, and that, and that has kind of, he asked for like a, um, 
like a Miami curve. Does everybody know what that? Well, good. Okay, because I didn't know what it was. And uh, that carries a price tag of $3.8 million. So that means if we did that, the city would have to come up with $800,000. Okay, this plan, Plan D, would widen Pine Tree from its present 22 feet to 30 feet uh, from Jackson Street to Magnolia Street. Um, this widened 30-foot road would accommodate two 11-foot vehicle travel lanes and two 4-foot bike lanes. Uh, the 4-foot bike lanes would be on each side of the road and, and be asphalt. It would also serve as shoulder to the, to the road. Um, this plan D does include a sidewalk along this widened section of road. Again, that's from Jackson to Magnolia. And also includes resurfacing, but not widening, widening the road or sidewalks um, of South Pine Tree from Magnolia all the way to Old Monticello, just like the other three plans. The estimated cost given for Plan D is, is $3.8 million, so the city would have to come up with an additional $800,000 for this above the, uh, above the state funding if Plan D is to be implemented. So, assuming that Plans A and C are, are, are tabled, which may be a bad assumption on my part, but assuming they are, the council will have to choose between plans B and D. Um, these are really not very different plans, except for plan D calls for um, the road between Jackson and Magnolia to be 30 feet wide the entire length of, of, of that stretch. And under plan B, the road is uh, widened only at Jackson, MLK, and Southwestern. I guess the decision... Um, between plans B and D uh, comes to the council deciding whether it's worth it to spend three quarters of a million dollars um, for bike lanes on, on about a mile and a half of road, which is about the only functional difference between plans B and D. Now, it was discussed that this plan D could, could later be turned into by, by restriping the road and getting rid of the bike lanes, a three-lane road. Folks, I'm not really too concerned about that, as it, as it would take a very foolish council to ever do this. Three 10-foot lanes is well below Federal Highway Administration guidelines for a road like this, and a reduction in lane size combined with the elimination of, of the shoulder um, jacks up something called the accident modification factor so high that the Georgia DOT would probably stop it if they could and if they can't, the reconfiguration would expose the city, which, which does not have sovereign immunity to lawsuits like the county does, to such a high liability that, that a future council would have to have collectively lost their minds to consider a transition um, of this uh, from a two-lane road as, as presented in Plan D to some future three-lane configuration. Now, this council has proven that foolish decisions can be made, but I am not too concerned that this happens here. Um, my bet is that future councils avoid pine tree like the plague. So, in short, I'm fine with both. My personal opinion, I'm fine with both. It's up to the council to decide that if bike, it's up to the council to decide if the three quarters of a million dollars for for a mile and a half of bike lanes are worth it. However, 
if plan D is chosen, I am concerned about the cost estimates. A cost estimate for a very similar plan was done about a year ago. The, the only difference between the plan from about a year ago and this plan D, um, which Huffstetler asked the staff to present, is this. First, in the old plan, there were, it, it envisioned 10-foot wide sidewalks instead of the plan D's 5-foot wide sidewalks. And second, the old plan did not envision resurfacing only the two-mile stretch of South Pine Tree Boulevard between Magnolia and Old Monticello Road. Now, the resurfacing probably costs somewhere in the neighborhood of $40 a foot. So this, this new Plan D has about a half million dollars in, in resurfacing costs that the old plan did not. That's, that's 10,500 feet times approximately $40 a foot. Okay, the cost estimate for construction only, and I'm not talking about utility relocation costs because I assume they're, they're, they'd be similar for both plans, but the construction only cost of the old plan was $4.1 million. And then if you added the additional resurfacing that, that, that would have, um, to, to make sure we're looking at apples to apples here, if you added the additional resurfacing cost of about a half million dollars for that two miles between Old Monticello Road and Magnolia, that would have put the construction cost of the old plan at $4.6 million. Now, I don't see the reduction in the size, in the width of the sidewalks from 10 feet to 5 feet taking $800,000 off the total uh, total plan cost. I, I could be wrong, but I have a concern about that. But one way or the other, the council does need to make a decision and move on. Um, that They need to pick one of these two plans, and again, I'm assuming that A and C are, are, are not uh, adoptable right now. Because, as Alan Carson pointed out, the city is kind of on the clock here. This is what he said. Now, I will tell you, we got a call from the state of Georgia yesterday wanting to know where we were with this project. So if we do not begin to move on this project, there is the possibility we will lose this money. Now, I don't know how it works in Georgia, but in North Carolina, if you didn't act on the money they gave you, they shipped that somewhere else, and somebody else got to use it. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't want to lose $3 million. So, we, so what that means is we're going to have to kind of come together and get the best plan possible, but it will not be a plan to make everybody happy. To me, this is the real irony in all of this. After all of this consternation, the dozens of meetings, the legal actions around the council's pine tree decision last May, the infuriated citizens, what plan is it that Huffstetler is now advocating? Folks, this new plan called Plan D in the meeting the other day of Huffy's is almost identical to the plan designed by the city engineering department under the leadership of Jerry Pionessa and voted on and passed by the city council in August of 2017. That's right. This is, this is the bad old council's plan. I will put both plans on, on this podcast Facebook page. The, the typical sections that are presented in it for both plans are identical. 
other than a five foot versus a ten foot sidewalk. That's it. That's it. If these geniuses had done nothing, that plan would probably be under construction or even completed right now. But no, they couldn't help it. Monty instructed Hobbs and Huffy to go with the three-lane plan instead of, quote, Max and Jay's plan in February of last year, and they dutifully followed his marching orders. So now, almost a year later, here we are. We got that same plan, now it's, but it's, now it's been rebranded. Talk about going in circles. That is just incredible. Um, per Mr. Carson, the council should reach a consensus on one of these plans in the workshop on Wednesday, January 23rd. That's at uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon in the auditorium building. I don't know which room. And, and they should vote on it during the January 28th meeting. Um, that's at 7 o'clock in the evening, same place. It will be interesting to see how this sorry tale that's done so much damage uh, hopefully concludes. Now, several other interesting events will be happening in the near future. As discussed in episode 25, in mid-December, three lawsuits were filed against the city and various members of the city council. Um, there is the open record suit against uh, council members Hobbs and Huffstetler. There is the forgery accusation suit against Hobbs. And there is the police officer suit against uh, Hobbs, Huffy, and Councilmember Terry Scott. Typically, defendants have 30 days to answer a complaint, um, 30 days from when the complaint is received, and we are now at or beyond that time. However, it's customary for lawyers to give opposing lawyers um, courtesy extensions for various filings. So I expect that the answers to these lawsuits um, will be filed around sometime around the end of January. The way it works is that a lawsuit is started when the plaintiff's lawyers file a written document called a complaint, and the defendant responds, or the defendant's attorney responds, with a written document called an answer. Okay, after that, these suits will go into what's called discovery. This is where each side, both the plaintiffs and the defendants, can request relevant documents and information from the other side. Also, this is where each side can take depositions. All right, depositions are kind of like testifying in court, but without a judge present. There will be um, the plaintiffs and the defendants' attorneys, a court reporter, Sometimes, but not always, the plaintiffs or defendants will be there, and obviously the person being deposed will be there. Um, sometimes these things can go on for hours or even days. All right, the person, person who is being deposed, the person who is testifying, is testifying under oath, and their testimony is being recorded verbatim. Um, if they later contradict their deposition testimony, uh, say, for example, in another deposition or in a court hearing, um, they can be charged with uh, perjury or lying under oath. I would expect that these depositions will start play taking place somewhere around March of this year. Folks, I have a fair amount of experience in this realm, and I can tell you that I can make a very long list of things that are a lot more fun than being deposed. 
Um, this will be magnified uh, for several council members as they will likely be deposed multiple times within a relatively short period as, as each of these lawsuits will likely result in separate depositions. I did find uh, David Huffstetler's letter to the editor of the Thomasville Times Enterprise in the uh, January 19th edition, um, both humorous and pointless. Um, he criticized the paper for uh, printing allegations made in civil complaints as if it's not news when several city employees sue the mayor. Um, he also wrote that, quote, as I have pointed out in the past, attorneys are in no way bound by the truth in these civil complaints they file. Um, as usual with Huffstetler, he has no clue what he's talking about. Attorneys are officers of the court, and if they knowingly make false statements in pleadings or in court, um, there can be serious repercussions for them. I, I guess this is some type of effort to help his buddy Greg in, in the court of public opinion, um, but this is pointless because I think most folks, one, most folks easily see through this, and two, it's too late. These actions uh, are on a litigation path, and, and I don't think they're coming off no matter what Huffstetler writes to the uh, editor of the Times Enterprise. All right, on a related matter, the district attorney, Brad Sheely, has said that he will make a decision on filing criminal charges on the forgery matter in early February. In early February, I think February 4th, a grand jury will be convened for Thomas County. Now, a grand jury consists of about 20 citizens that are, that are chosen just like regular juries are chosen. Um, what a grand jury does is decide if prosecutors have enough evidence to indict someone for a crime. They don't decide if somebody's guilty or innocent, and the decision of a grand jury does not have to be unanimous. Um, these are closed proceedings, and the possible defendants are not even allowed into them. Um, sometimes witnesses are called, but usually it's just prosecutors, that's the district attorneys and assistant district attorneys, and the members of the grand jury. Because the DAs are the only ones with access, real access to the grand jury, and they decide what the grand jury gets to see and doesn't get to see, they have almost complete control of the decisions to indict or not. Um, a New York judge famously was quoted as saying, quote, if a district attorney wanted, a grand jury would indict a ham sandwich, end quote. Uh, so while indictments appear to be grand jury decisions, they, they are really district attorney decisions. All right, the double jeopardy clause in the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution, which reads, quote, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, end quote, does not apply with, with regard to a grand jury proceeding. If you're, of a, if you're accused of a crime, um, get indicted, go to trial, and a regular jury, not a grand jury, finds you not guilty, that's it, at least on the criminal side of the law. Now, as, as the you know, famous example of the O.J. Simpson trial shows, um, he was found not guilty on the criminal side, but he was found liable on the civil side, and, and there was a huge verdict to uh, the, the victims of his crimes uh, 
errors. But, but on the criminal side, once you're found not guilty, that's it. However, not getting indicted by one grand jury doesn't mean that a future grand jury can't indict you for the same crime. Now, with regard to the forgery accusations, I have 0.0 doubt that Ms. McDonald and Ms. Bryson, the two city employees who were investigated for forgery based on the mayor's allegations, will not be indicted because I am 100% certain that they didn't forge his signature. I've covered this in several earlier podcasts, um, but even if these two were not among the most honorable people I've ever known, neither of them would have had any reason whatsoever to have forged Greg Hobbs' signature uh, on the documents in question. It's sheer insanity. So the real question for this, the real question for the DA is this. Is Greg Hobbs going to be indicted for falsely reporting a crime? Folks, we live in some interesting times. Thank you so much for listening. Um, As I said at the beginning of the show, um, I plan on doing these about once a month, but but as as if certain news events warrant, um, or if I just get in the mood to do one, I'm, I, I may do one a bit, little bit more frequently than that. Um, last year's episodes, the 25 episodes for last year, I received just under 25,000 listens, so about 1,000 people are listening to each one of these shows. And, and as I've said before, that far exceeds any expectations I had for this, and I really do appreciate um, yeah, the listeners for taking the time to listen to my opinion. That's all. That's really all this uh, podcast is, is, is my opinion about um, some events that are going on in the city. And, and hopefully I'll expand that to uh, events going on in the Red Hills. But anyway, thank you for listening. Um, first episode of the year. Hope you all have a fantastic 2019. Thank you.